Spaceburgers and welcome to the Space Cave. A quick exit from the last episode and we'll get right into part two with my friend Ryan Stout, who you can find at ryanstout.net or on Twitter at StoutRyan. Before we begin with part two, just wanted to acknowledge uh, Penny who asked and said, wait, 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 what, what, why dogs plural? Did you get another dog? No, Ryan brought his dog over and they were playing they were able to go kind of between the house and the backyard, and then every now and again their silhouettes would come over to the door where we were re- recording in the space cave, and then they'd run into the wall and things like that, and you could hear them wrestling around outside. So if you hear those kind of noises, that's those damn dogs getting into some mischief. All right, here's part two with Ryan Stout. So I abruptly concluded our, our previous portion uh, with, a t- with a real teaser, it turns out, about uh, Hedberg, but I was thinking about, you know... I he did um, Brian, um, who's he's a San Francisco guy. I keep want to say Callow. Is that sound right? Mallow. Brian Mallow. Mallow. Brian, Brian Mallow. Yeah, Brian Mallow did the documentary about like uh, right after Hedberg passed away and kind of like the Flying Burrito bro- or not Flying Burrito Brothers, just Los Burritos. I think the movie he made. Okay, yeah. And but he some of it in, in like had Mitch in his uh, journal, like writing jokes, and he had that weird handwriting style because his dad was like an architect or something. So it was this very yeah. elongated letters, and mm-hmm. but it, you know every word was necessary and or removable. Almost like when you see a movie script, where you're like, man, everything in that Pixar script came back to there were really no wasted lines, everything, mm-hmm. and. I feel like he, if you could open up his brain, because, you know, people typically that are that funny are like not going to sit there and dryly go, here's why I did that joke that way. And here's what appeals to me. It's just you'd have to open his head and say, like, aha, mm-hmm. this is why I did it that way. Probably had a disdain for comedians that are blah, 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 just blathering. I'm like, get to it, man. Shrink it up. Yeah. And so economy he, of words. It's a cornerstone of our craft. It really Brevity's is. Brevity the soul of wit. <laughs> get some words out of there. <laughs> and he... You could say was aligned maybe a little bit more with the clown side, which is like, you got a Mitch Hedberg show. You're not, someone's not going to be pointing their finger in your face. Like, think about that. And yet, like these sort of revelatory things of if you're standing in front of an emergency exit and you have legs or and you're flammable and have legs, you're never blocking an emergency exit. Mm-hmm. And even that, I didn't say it as succinctly worded, yeah. as, but that you have legs and you're flammable, you're never blocking an emergency exit. That's one of those things that everyone sees and now looks at emergency exits differently mm-hmm. or feels differently when the security person comes over and says, hey, you got to move. They think oh, Mitch Hedberg saw this. He saw this situation and scenario and passed that. And now that permeates everyone to a certain degree if they've heard that. And it's permeating in a way where you go, oh, the authority figure is wrong. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm annoyed by that. Yeah, um, th- these these external forces upon us that aren't fair, mm-hmm. I think resonates with everybody in a, at a, in a core way because the world isn't fair. 
Well, those are because the... asteroids hit and it's not fair <laughs> and, you know, animals eat you and it's not fair. Yeah. And the a comedian, that's the best when they and it doesn't have to be these giant things about injustice versus and now there's like the same five things that are all like all the comedians are, are sort of sticking their fingers in and hooking out like here's another thing that's, yeah. you know, and you go, yeah, yeah. A lot of people have been talking about that one. Yeah. But like tig would be really great at just finding little dumb things like why is this sign this way why mm-hmm. does that just little noticeable things you're like you could say that's observational comedy but it plays to a much more specific like yeah the authority or the rules we're all playing by are inaccurate and unnecessary in a lot of cases and now i see that too and it's mm-hmm. like a light you can't turn off you're just like oh that's illuminated a little bit more yeah now. <clears throat> comedians i think by by nature are not the best at playing by the rules mm-hmm. and i think most other people really are yeah you know if anybody has ever said well i don't like this job that much but the money is good yeah so i'm gonna take it mm-hmm. well guess what you're not really a rule breaker <laughs> at least not at least not in that area yeah. um there certainly there are people that went to medical school and they they played by the rules and they got a degree and then now they they operate on people and do things and when the day is done they go and they get drunk at a bar and they get wasted because the day is very stressful and hard and you have people's lives in your hand and then they drive home drunk and break the law Mm -hmm. and you know they're they're finding a balance between like well what rules do i feel like i'm allowed to break yeah and i think comedians by temperament look around and we're told our entire careers well you can't be a comedian you can't do that. That's not even a real job. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? You're a comedian? I'm, I've been doing this 17 years and people still question whether I have credentials to do this. And I'm like, <laughs> no, there are no credentials. And you you telling me that I can't do it? I've heard that for 17 years. And guess what? I've done it for 17 years. So I don't know. I don't know where how we're going to resolve this. But <laughs> you you embark on this thing being told you can't do it and then you do it. Mm-hmm. And so rules don't really seem to mean a lot anymore after that. Yeah. And even when people, in a bigger sense, you know, a lot of comedians, when they get traffic tickets, a lot of comedians go, I'm going to fight this. It's hilarious you bring that up. I just lost in court. I put it, I went all the way to court to fight it, partly because, yeah, I felt like, well, a reasonable person could see like this wasn't a dangerous move. I was making a U-turn, which was really an extension of a left turn. And I thought someone should reasonably be able to see that like this, yeah, your signs and whatever, sure. But this wasn't a dangerous thing. And this wasn't technically illegal, even by those standards. But I also thought, how interesting that this might be the only chance I get to like go represent myself. Yeah, and, like, that's why I went. Yeah, it's kind of fun to kind of just be like, sure, all right, and the, and it's a nerve wracking feeling when the judge looks at you and I've like <laughs> put forth these motions that didn't take, and she's like shot them down very aggressively, and I thought, oh, I'm losing, and I, I'm really just treading water and kind of being punched back into the corner here, but ah, that's okay. Where where were you at court, Santa Monica? No, I was north. I was like the one like um, Chatsworth way. Up oh, there north. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they told me after, like, oh, if you'd been Van Nuys, you probably could have gotten out of it. But the officer was really nice. He showed up and was like, hey, man, you had to try. Good try. Yeah. But I thought, like, most people just go to traffic school and get it over with, which is by by far the most effective and easy way to do it. Far easier. Way easier. But I think that needless fighting is 
certainly a part of a comedian's DNA. Absolutely. Well, and you're already thinking, I'm not afraid to talk. Yeah. What's interesting that I found with traffic court is you're in court and the language of court is not a language that we are versed in. Mm -hmm. We didn't go to school for that language. Yeah. And if you use the wrong language, you are screwed. Yeah. Even if you are, from layman's terms, making a good point, they go, yeah, legally that doesn't matter. And Your they don't good care because they matter. know that too. I yeah. mean, if someone wanders in and starts trying to make jokes in a room full of comedians, they can be funny. But if they don't, if they say the circuit or skits or whatever, if they use the wrong language. The wrong we language. sniff them out instantly, <laughs> we go, get, and get we go, out. "We're not interested." Yeah. And I read this thing that was this uh, a previous court decision, the People versus Mancroft, where uh, an officer cannot be both the prosecution and a witness. So if they have not passed the bar in California, they can't be there in any any way other than a witness. Yeah. I bring this up to her, but I'm sure I used the wrong language in saying it. And she just went like the sternest look at me and was just like, he's here on behalf of the people. He is da da da. She just skated right past it. And I went like, oh yeah. I feel like the law just did I utilize the law, but I didn't know how to articulate it correctly. And, and they bulldozed you. Yeah, exactly. Well, and they're, they're looking to get to lunch. <laughs> yeah. This was after lunch. This was like uh, three in the afternoon or so. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I stood there in court. And by the way, if you don't do these things in the proper order, they don't matter. Mm-hmm. So the what you're bringing up of who's the prosecution, mm-hmm. technically, you were supposed to do that at arraignment mm-hmm. before you ever entered a plea. Yeah, And if they couldn't tell you, then you don't enter a plea. And then they enter one for you. And then you go to court and you go, yeah, I'd like to remove the court entered plea. Mm-hmm. which you can do at any point in the process. Mm-hmm. And then they send you back to arraignment and it's more time and energy and waiting on your part. Yeah. But forcing the court to do things correctly, they're they're banking on the fact that you don't have time to do that. And it's certainly the knowledge. The, not the knowledge. You don't have the time. You don't have the knowledge. And they want the money. Mm-hmm. They want the easy money. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've, had, I've had judges in traffic court. I told, I told the judge at arraignment, I said... He asked me to plea, guilty, not guilty, no contest. And I said, I'm sorry, Your Honor, I can't plea at this time. I, I don't understand the charges. And he said, well, what don't you understand? It's right there on the ticket. I said, well, this is, this is a notice to appear. Mm-hmm. So I'm here. I'm here to find out what the charges are. <laughs> this, is not, this is not a charging instrument. And he said, Mr. Sal, you don't have to tell me what a charging instrument is. I went to law school. I went to Stanford <laughs> Law School. I know what a charging instrument. I said, I'm sorry, Your Honor. I just want to be very articulate and clear here because I don't do this often Mm -hmm. and uh so i don't know who's bringing about the charges i don't know the nature of the charges is this civil or is it criminal because that's going to require a different defense he said mr stout stop telling me about the law (laughs) and i went i just want to be clear about why i'm confused so what are the charges and who is bringing them about and he said mr stout and he looks at the bailiff and he says can you imagine if i was judge smith i would i would have you in jail right now yeah and I know he's just trying to scare me because I haven't done anything wrong. Right. I'm, I'm just asking questions about what is the court trying to do to me? Yeah. And we're in court and there's not a representative for the people in court yeah. to tell me what the charges right. are, which means you, the judge, are guessing what the people's charges are, which if you're impartial, you can't do that. So what are we doing here? They're holding up a facade, yeah. very aggressively so, Yeah. that if you try to 
push a little hole in it or just recognize that like this isn't a wall yeah this is not a wall if this right. were a wall there would be someone here to publicly defend me there would et cetera et cetera and sure. they they you're not poking holes through this well, this facade's been working for years and yeah. it's just it's a perpetual emotion machine and the the worst part is there are civilians who get very upset that I do this with the court mm-hmm. and they get very upset and they go come on, you know what the charges are. Why, why are you doing this? Let it go. Mm-hmm. It's simple. This has already been worked out. You've done this like several times? Um, I have. <laughs> um, but even people who've heard me talk about it on podcasts, I was on Jackie Cation's The Dork Forest and we just talked about uh, traffic tickets. Uh-huh. Um, the weirdest part is if it's such a simple matter and if the court is correct, mm-hmm. well, why don't they just answer my question? Yeah. What are the charges? What are the nature of the charges? Who's bringing about the charges? What and do you why don't... say? Do they get to that? He said, Mr. Stout, I'm going to ask you again. Guilty, not guilty, no contest. And I said, Your Honor, I cannot enter a plea at this time. And he said, Well, then I'm going to enter a plea on your behalf. Not guilty. Go, go talk to the clerk and pay your money. Because mm-hmm. you have to pay before you go to your trial. Yeah. And sure enough, I get to my trial and they say... So, Mr. Stout, you, you're here for this reason, and uh, how would you? I, I'm going to give you the opportunity to change your plea because mm-hmm. the officer's here. You know, court, they're all so nice to you. They're so polite in this business deal. Yeah. And uh, I said, actually, Your Honor, I'd like to remove the court-entered plea. And the judge raises his eyebrows and goes, court-entered plea? And he starts opening the folder and going through and this and that. And... Uh, Long story short, he's very, very nice to me. And he says, Mr. Stout, right over there is a really great lawyer. And I know that she would love to speak to you out in the hallway and uh, help guide you through some of these things. And if you would like to go with her, isn't that correct? And she nods her head yes. And he said, I will allow that. Um, And I said, okay, because it seemed so nice. Yeah. What I don't realize is I've now accepted representation. Right. So when I'm saying I don't understand the charges, well, my representation is going to say, I understand the charges. Damn. And you go, you guys skirted the system again. Yeah. You skirted that you didn't want to have to explain what the charges were, the nature of the charges or anything. So um, finally, I get back in there and you know what? I'm recognizing what's going on. So he says, Mr. Sat, why don't we do this? We'll do um, no, it's something about no, no points on your license and uh, and you just pay a sm- small fine. And I said, I countered. I said, how about this? I'll plead guilty. No point on my license. No fine. And he said, if your lawyer wants to make that offer, I'll take it. <laughs> and so the lawyer made that offer. Uh-huh. And uh, sure enough, I got out of there with no points on my license, no fine. But I had to plead guilty to something that I didn't think was fair. Yeah. So that goes then on your DMV record. But, it, but there's no point. It just says that you were speeding or something like that. Right. That's right. not so bad. No. Shouldn't affect your insurance rates or anything. No. But yeah, it's funny you bring that up that I I wonder how many comedians are like either just had the impulse to do it and just or ha- and had cuz logic plays a huge part in it as well. And I think logically those two things are at play. Mm-hmm. This is injustice to a certain degree or I could beat this. Even if this isn't injustice and I am guilty and I'm a child and I'm incapable of accepting my punishment for things that I knowingly did yeah. because I, this is the West and I'm living in a, I should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I can, I can roll through a stop sign safely and understand that like, I'm not going to hit anyone. There's no one around, but a cop over across the street in a tunnel was waiting for just that and pulled me over. And I went, oh, come on, there's no one around. I can't roll through a stop sign. There's that at play. Mm-hmm. There's also the other side, the logical side. It's just like, 
I'm going to have to waste more than one day driving to wherever, waiting in line, being in a court, which is like being in the DMV to just what, to, to try to fight this. I think logically the best thing to do here is just go to traffic school, be done with it. Right. So I guess everyone is a mix of all those things. Well, when I reframe that in my head as like, well, people have hobbies that they spend money on. Mm-hmm. There's somebody who spent $150 on fishing this yeah. month. Yeah, yeah. And they wasted days of their lives out fishing. Thinking that it was meaningful, as we all do. Taking joy in it. Yeah. I said, clearly I'm interested in this. I'm very curious about what's happening. So there is some element to this that is worth it to me Mm -hmm. to do. And once I reframed it in my head from fighting an injustice to, well, let's just go see what happens. You're curious about this. This is a hobby. Yeah. Let's go explore the hobby. And if you never explore this hobby again, if you decide it's too awful, well, at least you know that now. Yeah, yeah. And strangely enough, that carried me through. (laughs) And you just go, oh, I guess this whole mindset thing is important. I have very similar logic and lines of thinking. And it was really stressing out my girlfriend of just like, dude, just be done with it. And I was like, but I want to see. Like, who, yeah. who goes in and sees it? Who goes into the belly of the beast? Like, the laws are protecting you. They can't just throw you in jail. Well, the number of people who will talk about their Second Amendment rights. And I go, what about your Sixth Amendment rights? <laughs> you don't know who's bringing about the charges against you. And yet you're going to plead guilty. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Why would you enter a plea at all if you don't know what the charges are or who's bringing them? Like you have, you can get a fair trial. Yeah. And you don't want one? Why don't you cling to this as hard as you cling to number two? <laughs> and you just don't want to? Yeah. It's very strange that you're, you've got the constitution hanging in your home. You know, the, did you have this happen where you show up 20, 30 people in the room, half of them, you're dismissed because their officer didn't show up. So I just the fact that my guy showed up and he was a, he was a very nice, but he's like we're going to trial on this. He had no he hadn't written down any notes. So there, and I had tried to request for discovery to see like what was being and if I had gotten that I would have seen that like his position as to where he says he was had changed dramatically from the north side to the south side of the street. I had like taken photographs and stuff like he was in these trees. He was on a motorcycle behind these trees. He could not have seen Mm -hmm. where I was. And then he, no, no, I was on the south side to which if I had had that ahead of time, I could have been like, now you're looking across like five lanes of traffic and still telling me you had a clear view. There's no way. So that felt very unfair to me that like he, I and I asked him I before the trial he had said I uh I don't have any evidence and I went oh okay and then a friend of mine had been like you know you can ask him how many tickets do you write in a day how many weeks ago was this that's mm-hmm. x amount of tickets you don't have any evidence written down sure but you're telling me your memory is clear enough to right and I thought and he had made this comment of like you you should still get traffic school you know every now and again someone you know and I was like oh I don't want to be a jerk then so I kind of thought like if I really go after him. And they'll ask, deny me traffic. Yeah, shit. yeah. They'll be like, oh, you thought you're going to outsmart this officer and be a jerk about it. So I, I and I kind of regret that, that I should have just been like, nope, I'm going after this guy because mm-hmm. he was wrong. His memory of it was wrong. Right. Damn it. I, I, I had the officer in one trial lie on the stand as well mm-hmm. because he pulled me over and he asked me various questions and I said, I'm very sorry, officer, with all due respect, I don't answer any questions and I'll gladly give you my license and my registration and everything else, but I don't, I don't answer questions. (laughs) So he gets to court and he says, oh, Mr. Stout wanted to hold court at the side of the road. And I said, 
Your Honor, all I said was I don't answer questions. So I don't know how I could possibly hold court. The, the officer might be thinking of a different different circumstance. Yeah. Um, so then I start asking the officer questions about how many tickets did you write in the day? What was the name of the person you pulled over before me? What mm-hmm. was the make and model of the vehicle you pulled over after me that day? Um, and he couldn't answer these questions. And the judge interrupts me and goes, Mr. Sout, are you going to present any evidence? Mm-hmm. And I said, Your Honor, the, the only evidence against me is the officer's memory. So I have, I have the right to question that. And she says, Mr. Sout, look, they just get angry yeah she said i need you to present do you have insurance like she's she's skirted the thing here yeah and the weird part was the only reason there was an insurance thing on the ticket was because i had a lot of old insurance cards which all had the same policy number Mm -hmm. but they had different expiration dates so i'm going through them looking for the current one and the officer says well i know you have insurance um, because I ran you through the system and it says you have insurance. So I'm not going to write you a ticket for that. Yeah. Well, and then you know what he does? Ends up writing me a ticket for it because mm-hmm. he doesn't like the fact that I won't answer questions. I won't do that. So he writes me a ticket. Oh, and when he said, I'm not going to write you a ticket for that, you know what I did? I stopped looking because he told me to stop looking. Yeah. Um, so now here we are in court and she thinks that I don't have insurance. So I have to present my insurance, which is evidence that I have insurance. But now we're off on a different tangent. She's mm-hmm. totally interrupted me yeah, yeah. talking to the officer. Hey, this guy's getting somewhere. Yeah. Better cut in here with his insurance yeah. talk. All day long that, that, that morning, everybody who asked for traffic school, this judge went, you know, I just don't think you're going to learn anything at traffic school. Based on what we've talked about here today, I mean, I don't, they're just going to explain what the rules are, but you've already told me that you willingly broke the rules. Mm-hmm. So I have this huge back and forth with the judge, huge back and forth with the officer. We, I never get to really question the officer. I get steamrolled. And then afterward, um, she says, Mr. Say, you didn't even ask me if you could do traffic school. And I said, that's because you've denied that request to everyone this morning. So I didn't think it would be worth it to ask. Mm-hmm. And she said, do you want traffic school? I said, I would, if that would be very nice. So she let me do traffic school. Nice. But I should have never been found guilty in the first place Yeah, because the officer is just making it up on the spot, all these things that happened. Well, they, I mean, that's the thing that you see over and over. Like the whole thing is very bizarre that like they have to write tickets to keep revenue up and they have, they, they can let a bunch of them go in that like, ah, the majority of people send in their bail. They go to traffic school. We, we collect that money. Mm-hmm. The people that come in to contest it largely have a gripe because they are not pulling over people that are blowing through red lights or making egregious, you know, 30 miles over the speed limit, you know, mistakes, speeding. They're pulling people over. They're like, eh, you were eight over. And maybe I, I didn't quite get my gun, my radar gun on you in mm-hmm. time. So people are going to fight it in that way. And then you see like, oh, they're just trying to recoup kind of as much as they can. And it's sort of like maybe the private prison system thing mm-hmm. where like, we, we need, we, of course we don't want to have prison. That's terrible, but we need prisoners in there. So let's find a reason. It's this whole spinning plates thing that's held up. Yeah. Like, and you're seeing that you're watching it happen where you're like, Oh, this, this judge sees this officer once or twice a week and they have a relationship. So even if I'm totally right and that person, the officer's memory is in, entirely inaccurate they're gonna see each other again they're gonna see each other again. yeah Yeah. she can't be like oh officer i remember last time when you lied she just has to go i'm on your side over and over again so you're like what am i fighting against yeah how is this you're fighting against a system that's collecting money and the best you can do is make a business deal Mm -hmm. you have to be polite you have to smile i i I wear a suit and tie and they call me counselor the whole time (laughs) 
and I have to explain to a judge, no, Your Honor, I didn't go to law school. Mm-hmm. I didn't study. The, Just, I didn't pass the bar. I'm not. I'm not here pretending that I did either. So mm-hmm. don't don't give me I that either. I just dressed up for court. Yeah. Um, I dress up all the time. Look me up on the internet. <laughs> uh, there, I'm in a suit and tie a lot. <laughs> but don't you kind of feel like you need that knowledge? I mean, you know. I did. I did. I was glad that I went in and, and tried. I submitted motions as, as well. I To this day, I don't know where to submit my motion for discovery because I gave one to the court at my arraignment. Mm-hmm. I sent one to the police officer yeah. and I sent one to the city attorney. Yeah, that's what I did too. And she goes, I, I sent one to the court where my case was going to be tried and the city attorney. And she goes, you didn't send one to the officer. I'm like, he's not a prosecutor. Why would I be doing that? Right. But she was just looking for the one of the triangle that I missed. Yeah. I, and uh, I had one judge tell me um, one time I was in court, they're like, no, you don't send it to the district attorney. You have to send it to the city attorney. Yeah. <laughs> and no. so I sent it to the city attorney. And then the next judge is like, you have to send one to the district attorney. <laughs> city attorney has nothing to do with it. Like they're all, they're all going with whatever's in their head. I had a ticket that had the wrong wording at the bottom because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be approved by the judicial council of California. Mm-hmm. And this was a- approved by the judicial court. Mm-hmm. which is a different entity. Yeah. But that's what's on the ticket. And I brought that up and she looked and looked and looked and she was like, well, you know, they're kind of the same. I said, no, they're not the same, Your Honor. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The judici- Judicial Council is a very specific sect of the entire judicial court system. And the Judicial Council has to approve the ticket. This ticket is approved by the Judicial Court. And she's getting out law books and looking it up. And she's like, he's, he's right. It does say Judicial Council. She ends up making a phone call to somebody else. And her logic ends up being... It's all right, Mr. Sab. Kevin said it was okay. <laughs> and I went, Your Honor, I don't know Kevin. I don't know Kevin. And she said, well, I, and she was very nice in Beverly Hills, sweetheart of a judge, probably the best one I've dealt with, but she only deals with arraignments, not trials. Mm-hmm. And she, she was very nice. She was like, Mr. Stout, I just don't know what we can do here. I don't know how we can move forward. I mean, I can enter a plea on your behalf, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> Which is very strange yeah. because that's what I'm expecting. Meanwhile, they can only enter a plea on your behalf if you refuse to plea. Mm-hmm. I was saying I cannot plea yeah. because this is the wrong document. These are the wrong things, whatever else. So, of course, she enters the plea on my behalf. When I get trial, different judge, I bring it up and they go, no, Mr. Stout, this has already been handled. Really? This has already been handled. You went through this at arraignment and they, the judge wrote a, a, a decision on this and cited some very specific examples. And I went, you, you guys are breaking the law. Yeah. You guys are breaking the law because it's convenient for Just you. Just egregiously doing that. And one, one judge cited the wrong, she cited a case in San Diego where it was like that guy said that he, um, he got a court entered plea and shouldn't have to, he should be able to remove it. It's something, but he, he did that at the wrong time. He didn't do it at arraignment. Oh, and so, because his his was in the wrong order, mm-hmm. he got screwed. Yeah. Meanwhile, I did it in the right order, so you can't cite that case. <laughs> so, what the hell is going on here? Um, the best one I ever had was a trial by declaration. I don't know if you've ever done one of That's those. That's how this one started for me. I sent in pages, like photographs, diagrams, all the stuff, which you're not supposed to do. You should really just write in, I'm not guilty of this. Send it in. Because then when I got done with my trial, the officer goes... Oh, you did one of those, which was so maddening because the only way I could have lost that is if he had written in his testimony then, which I was part of my discovery. Like, I want to see what he wrote Mm -hmm. to beat me in this trial by declaration. So he never did. It was just someone sitting in a room. It's not even a judge. That's amazing. Yeah. So it was just someone looking at my thing being like, this feels a little too heavy. 
guilty. I don't even think they cracked it open. I said, yeah. eh, too many pages. These people are always guilty. And so that was frustrating that he hadn't even touched a pen to paper. Wow. Yeah, because so, I sent in a trial by declaration that had diagrams and photographs and, uh, you know, point number one. And if the officer cannot, uh, you know, fight against this, this case should be dismissed. Mm-hmm. This is what the officer has to prove. If the officer can't prove this beyond a reasonable doubt, this case should be dismissed. Mm-hmm. Point number three, if the officer can't you yeah. know, prove this beyond a reasonable doubt, this case. And it was just one after the next after the next. And I got it back and it said not guilty. And I went, OK. Nice. All right. So you were you won but that one? That one I really was not guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good for you. I mean, it's really. And tough. the insurance one, I don't feel like I was guilty. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find the thing. And then he said, "Don't worry about it," and then wrote me a ticket for it anyway. And I was like, "So okay. when I was like, I was I think a freshman in college, um, I was home visiting and I was driving. I got pulled over. I didn't have a headlight in, and the guy was like, "Did you know this?" I said, "No." And he was like. Well, let me just have a look at your insurance. I couldn't find it. Same thing. I could, it was. I knew where it was. I was like, I have. I go look. I have every other, you know, pay period. I've been doing this for years now. Like yeah. here's every one of them. I keep all. And he goes, sorry, you're missing that one. And I go, damn. So he writes me a ticket and just says, all you got to do is just show up and show them your insurance, and you're good. I went, all right. So then, this is my fault. I guess I looked at the wrong. I just went to the only courthouse I knew in town. It's Reno. It's a pretty small area. I guess there were two. I went to the wrong courthouse. So I showed up that day and I was like, hey, I'm here for this case. And they go, oh, we don't have any record of that. And I, I remember it was almost like a cartoonish like look to this guy like, that rascal. He just wanted to scare me. So he wrote kind of this fake ticket, but he never turned it in. <laughs> so like, I went about my business. And then my dad called me and goes, you have a warrant out for your arrest. Yeah. Go, what? He goes, yeah, you have a bench warrant because you failed to appear in court. I was like, but I went to court. He goes, which one? And I told him, he goes, eh, this is on a different street. I go, oh. Oh, I so went to he, the wrong court. He was not a rascal. Yeah. And uh, so when I got back, the next break, like the warrant went on for a while. It was kind of fun to drive around and be like, I'm, I'm right, say, on I the land. I got warrants out. Yeah. And uh, I went back to, to the courtroom and it was like right after the first year. And being a young person, I think that was helpful. But watch all these cases. And then I went up and said, you're on, it's right here. I, I did find it later. And where have you been? Like, I was at school. Oh, okay, well, it's a new year. Let's get you started on the right foot. Dismissed. So that like introduced me to the world of the law and, and civil sort of justice in a way where I thought they always kind of want that to happen. Yeah. So then to go in this way and see that there is, and that must be how it be, feels for people that are improperly imprisoned. I mean, on a much larger scale, the things that lack of justice feels like, feels simple. if you get screwed on your pay period at your job and your manager won't account for it or adjust it or whatever that same feeling everyone feels something like that in some way yeah lots of injustice in the world so much, lots so of many. injustice yeah everywhere but, at all different levels but when there's a face to it that's kind of looking at you going like i'm sorry those are your those are your hours you put in you go, but that's clearly a seven that's not a one yeah. no it's a one you know like those sort of things like your honor i i found it i have it nope it's too late yeah we don't care now it just feels like we should be ruled by robots because if the humans aren't going to have the empathy necessary, then it, it's all it's just absurd. The officers there together with the judges in a way that's like, yeah. oh, what you're saying right now is legal, but we don't like it. Sure. We got to keep this this good old boys club together. Well, people of different temperament have a different idea about the law, too. And you ask them. I like to ask them one question. I, I say, so there's a guy. He's. He's on the sidewalk mm-hmm. and his dog is sitting next to him and the dog is not on a leash. 
Now, the law says the dog has to be on a leash, Mm -hmm. but the dog isn't getting into somebody's private property. Mm -hmm. The dog's not attacking anybody. The dog isn't obstructing anything. The dog is just sitting. Yeah. Did the guy break the law? Right. And some people go, well, yeah, because the law says the dog should be on a leash. I said, but what happened? Who's the victim? Yeah. How is there? How can you have justice without a victim? And you, you see them go, well, that's the way the law is written. So you have to obey the law. And there are other people who go, yeah, if there's no victim, there's no crime. Mm -hmm. And what's really odd is if you go in for jury duty, they force you into a position where they go, well, you have to vote based on what the law says. Right. You don't get to rewrite the law here and say, well, if the dog wasn't doing anything wrong, they should be able to skirt this issue. Yeah. We have a picture of the guy and the dog. (laughs) The dog's not on a leash. You have, you have to give a guilty verdict. Yeah. And, uh, last time I went to jury duty, I, I, they didn't ask me any questions, but I was going to bring up that example and say, that guy's not guilty. Mm-hmm. I don't know who wrote the law. It's some municipal code for the city of Los Angeles saying the dog has to be on a leash. The dog didn't do anything. There's yeah. no victim. That guy gets to go home. Right. All done. And to find leash, because if that person's voice is technically a a super leash uh, you, right that's the leash the dog obeys the dog will not if you have a circus trained dog uh-huh. that'll run circles around the guy over and over if he wants to mm-hmm. that's a leash that to me that counts so i would be on your side there of just like i was running one time here and, and when i lived like near hancock park quiet neighborhood um it, it crosses through some some bigger streets like third and sixth i was wondering on, i was running on one of the two i think six it's shady a lot of trees and but those cross streets they're smaller streets like we talked about people that live on it's like it's peaceful not Mm -hmm. a lot of cars go by here so i'm running and i do this all the time where i look both ways never any cars coming and i don't want to stop and wait there at a street where no cars are so i'm gonna cross i'm in the middle of a run i feel like most people would say you're running so if anything you're fleet of foot currently should a car spring out of nowhere you're agile pretty good you're gonna be okay so i take that logic into it like sure the red hand is looking at me but there's kind of a runner's code in the city, I feel like. Like, man, if you had to stop at every street, it'd be brutal. So you just kind of look both ways, make very clear, no cars coming. So I'm doing that, and I'm running, and all of a sudden I hear, hey, hey, and I look around, and then there in the opposite lane approaching me in the far lane, it's like four, two motorcycle cops right next to each other. They're on the other side of a vehicle that is the closest lane. Mm-hmm. And they're both looking at me with their hands up, like, come on, like, you're doing this right in front of us? And I was like, I saw you. I saw you and decided to do this because I figured you wouldn't care. <laughs> but I, at the, in the moment when they're yelling at me, I just kind of threw my hands up like, I can't hear you. Which it was just kind of a panic move and must have looked like such a dick move to them because they were just kind of like, again, like, come on. And I was just like, ah, I can't, what? And then I just kept going. And then they had to make that decision. Like, is that infraction worth both of us? turning around and mm-hmm. driving over there and bugging this guy or can we just be frustrated that that dog was off a leash yeah but it wasn't going anywhere it wasn't okay. harming anyone it was to me very similar in that regard that like those those they're law enforcers so they see any law being broken regardless of how minimal that's a frustrating thing mm-hmm. Ugh, oh, this car isn't doing this 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 person is doing this like step back a second are they harming anyone? Is there any risk involved here? Yeah. Isn't that why we have laws in place? So I could see where someone would be like, oh, you should have been arrested for jaywalking. Like, you should see this street. Did, did they let you go? 
They never turned around. They would have had to have, like I say, like fired up their motorcycles and bothered a bunch of traffic and turned around in a different direction to stop me and be like, yeah. hey, why'd you cross that street where there were no cars? Right. And I would have said, because I feel like we just live on this sphere <laughs> that happens to have intersections in places that are relatively arbitrary at times. Right. And they, I would have been handcuffed and beaten mercilessly. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, I almost feel like there's... As far as pre- police brutality goes with people, you know, cops being quick to grab their gun and this or that, I feel like while we can try to stop that, if we just started on a much smaller level and had very harsh enforcements for officers that roll through stop signs. <laughs> or are on their cell phones. Or litter. Or yeah. do whatever that's very small and say, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You do not get away with this pithy. You don't get you don't get to develop this sense of entitlement that you're above the little laws, right? Because then the little laws become smaller and smaller, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, I can speed. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to stop for the stop sign. Now I get to speed. Now I get to make left turns because I feel like it, and I don't want to wait, and I can turn my lights on and do it. Yeah, I can. And you just build up. Build, well. The guy had six pounds of cocaine. I wrote it in as five and a half and I kept a half pound for myself. It just escalates. Yeah. If we stopped the small, small infractions, Mm -hmm. these bigger ones would dissipate quite quickly. Yeah. But because there's no way to enforce the police of doing what is correct and because humans like having power, it's a good feeling to have power and to be, I'm an enforcer. So I'm going to stop you for jaywalking. Meanwhile, I'm going to run this stop sign. You ever honked at a cop? No. Oh, man. I was behind a cop that had the full right of way to turn right, no one coming, and he was looking at his phone. He wasn't on the thing. He was just looking at his phone. Yeah. I give it like 20 seconds. That's a pretty, like, I got places to be, man, but maybe he's punching in codes, to, but it wasn't. It wasn't the There's the no flashers thing. on. There's no. No. Yeah. Just, and, it, and the body he's language is just stopping in traffic. And so I gave a little honk, and then he looked up and, oop, and went on his way, and I was like, yeah, yeah we're all just humans here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're going to do moves that you are- You realize that you made an error? How about this one? So I am behind this car. I don't, I I have a theory as to what I think it was, but I don't know. I'm behind a car that is say like, um, a 2005 Toyota Corolla. And then it has a standard California license plate. However, next to it on the trunk in the letters you used to get to like get out that are stickers and put on like a mailbox. It's those tall and kind of rectangular. Those stickers individually say Toyota Camry license and then seven new numbers underneath. And then it has an Uber sticker. So this person is picking up Uber rides in a Corolla with the thing saying, no, this is a Camry. If you're looking there for the Camry, this is a Camry. This is a Camry. And I was like, that seems extraordinarily unsafe. It's probably two people using the same account that like, hey, I have to go to work in my Camry. Put my stuff on your Corolla. Use your Corolla. And go use your car. That's my thought. But I, as I see this car, I pull up two police officers Right, I mean, the way this works out is so bizarre. That car, the Camry Corolla, stops right in front of me. Directly behind them, pulled over off to the side of the road eating lunch, two police officers in a black and white. Mm-hmm. So there, I see the lady who's like got a salad in her lap, the officer, look over kind of weirdly, and then the car, the light turns green, the Camry Corolla takes off. I now pull up to the cops and kind of give a look over like, eh? I don't want to be a snitch, but that's weird. And yeah, I see her very like, strange. kind of glance at me, look back at it, and then right back into the salad. Uh-huh. Kind of look at her partner. They're both like, this is okay. Nobody's dying today. But it's that fine. seemed way riskier 
than someone... Hey, you're jaywalking. Yeah, you're jaywalking. This person is pretending to be someone else and driving around people under the false impression they're She didn't even yell hey. (laughs) She didn't do the bare minimum of yelling hey. (laughs) And she really could have. With a mouthful of salad. Yeah. Hey, cut that out. Yeah, I would have appreciated that. Just some look at like, this is way dicier to me than a person rolling through a stop sign or any of those Mm -hmm. things that are minimal. Like there's no risk involved there. Well, this kind of plays into the very first reason why I ever went to traffic court. And I'm just going to go through it really quickly and then move on to a different justice question. <laughs> but uh, it was no right turn school days. That's mm-hmm. what the sign said. No right turn school days. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no light at the top of the sign to let you know that school's in session or not. Mm-hmm. The term school days is not in the California Vehicle Code anywhere. It's not defined. Okay. So if you want to hold somebody to the letter of the law, well, that law is not written. Sure. And then if you go, so that's the California Vehicle Code, the CVC. And if you go to the municipal code, school days is not defined. And if you go into, you know, the the state law books, yeah. it's not defined. It's not defined. It's not a definable so term. So you're creating an ambiguous time frame for something that we all kind of know is Monday through Friday, eight to three-ish, something like that. Normally, sure. but it's a private Jewish academy. Okay. So sometimes they're in school Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. and they're off Monday, Tuesday. Okay. Like they're they have a very private school system that's going on yeah. that is in accordance with a calendar that fits their religion. Yeah, I've been around those schools. Yeah, and I, um, I looked at their website online just to be like, all right, well, when are they in school? You can't find out when they're in school. <laughs> you would have to go to a rabbi and get a list of a school schedule, and yeah. I was like, you can't expect every single motorist to do that. Yeah simply because the government decided to put up a sign with wording on it that has not been defined. Mm -hmm. So I should be able to get out of this ticket. Yeah. So that's what spurned me into this whole process. It just didn't feel fair. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, you you go into a rabbit hole of what's fair. You find a lot of problems, which we've been (laughs) discussing. Yeah. Um, A friend of mine had a dilemma recently. They had done, they had done some stand-up shows and... It was probably east of Los Angeles. And when they got back to Hollywood, he was with a comic who was had not been driving. He was driving. And this comic had had a lot to drink. Mm-hmm. But they had driven an hour and a half back. But he felt like this comic should not drive. Yeah. And this comic is insisting, I'm good to drive. Yeah. And he's going, I don't think so. Yeah. And so the other comic jumps out of the car, runs away, gets in their car. Yeah. My friend asks me this. Do you think I should call the police? And I went, ah, on your friend who mm-hmm. says they're okay to drive? Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, how do I? Give them a mile. See how they get a... My friend of mine was at a bar one time. This is terrible. Uh, but sometimes... I mean, I've called on drunk drivers before. So I am... V- radically against drunk driving. If I see it, I hate it. If someone, mm-hmm. if I'm driving and someone's in the car with me, I go, get that license plate, call. I hate this. Look what's happening. And uh, But a friend of mine was at a bar and there was a cop there. And my friend just to the bartender, who was his friend, who like later kind of retold him this story, uh, not that he was blacked out, but just like, this is how it played out after you left. They're all sitting there having kind of the same amount of drinks. The officer is not drinking a bunch, obviously, um, but also had had a couple of drinks, I assume, being in a bar and was off duty. But this guy gets up, see you guys, blasts out the door. My friend does, gets in his car. The officer looks at the bartender like, 
come on. So he goes outside and gets in his car, follows my friend, but he was like, he drove perfectly. He drove, he, what, he had had over the legal limit, a cop behind him the whole time. Like this guy makes one false move. I'm ringing him up. And he just followed him basically all the way to his house. Like nothing I could do. You drove the speed limit. You used your turn signals. Nothing I technically could do there. Right. And, and the officer doesn't know what he drank at the bar. Yeah. And yet the officer still felt like there was probable cause to follow this person mm-hmm. and wait for them to make a mistake. Yeah. And that is maddening. Because but you go, I prefer that honestly. Like, well, right, you don't like the the drunk driving, yeah. But it's almost like, well, I can is is the officer allowed to follow me around all day long <laughs> to f- make sure I put my dog on a leash and make sure that I do this and that and right. And you wonder like, well, who's the victim and why are you doing this mm-hmm. when you don't really know, officer? Yeah, you have you have a hunch. Yeah, and I I don't know how I feel about an officer following their hunch to, you know, look for a different infraction. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's hard. It's tough. It's very but difficult. Think, like, By the way, you you would have called the police on your comic friend? No. I mean, I've seen people get in their cars and drive drunk and, and just be like, well, I... I I wish they wouldn't. I mean, I'm a I'm an if I friends of mine are smoking, I break their cigarettes. If people are trying to drive drunk, I'll throw their keys. So I don't think I would have let him out of the bar if he was like wobbly. Mm-hmm. I'll give people sobriety tests. I'll like stand on one foot, all that stuff. Yeah. And even the most surly drunk, if they're trying to drive, if they fail, a lot of times they'll be like, "All right, okay." So I'll like really put them through the pace, like walk in this line this way, stand up, do this. You know, I really make them, if I, if anyone's even, most of my friends I think we're old enough now are not trying anymore, mm-hmm. but if they are, I'm like, I'm not just going to let you waltz out of here. So I try to put them through the paces where I'm like, okay, I feel like they're all right. Yeah. Um, but in that situation, if I had gotten out and seen that person that had too much to drink, I suppose I'd follow them for a little while. And then, and then maybe swerve in front of them and make them get over to the side of the road. Like, mm-hmm. dude, you're way too drunk. There are five of us now in this car that all agree uh-huh. you shouldn't be driving. I would try to do it that way, not bring the cops into it. Right. How about right. you? I I don't know. I I have to kind of. I I take responsibility for a lot of things, and I have to ask where where does that where do I have to draw the line? Mm-hmm. And, and should I just assume that the hour and a half drive is not enough time for my friend to sober up enough to drive home? I just always think about there. And by the way, broke comic, yeah, like a DUI ruined it ruins, ruins their life, and a, and an Uber ruins them in a lot a lot of ways too. Uh, sure, like, oh, I can't, I'm an hour Uber and an hour back. Forget yeah, it. Like right. I'll, I'll risk my life and my future finances. Like. These, this is why you're a comedian. You're an idiot. Like, stop yeah. drinking so much. You knew you had to get home, you yeah. lunatic. But that's... If you old. wouldn't have bought the drinks, you would have been able to pay for the Uber. <laughs> which is the other problem, which is we usually get to drink for free. Yeah. Yeah. So you're at a show now an hour and a half away where you're paying for drinks. Yeah. Brutal. Um, I, I think, like, I, I would always think of the worst case scenario and their parent, particularly like a mother, being like, why'd wow. you guys let him? And yeah. I'd be just like, I feel terrible. I, I, I did yeah. feel like I did all I could. He was being real stubborn. Yeah. Like, well, do this or do, you know, something. And there. I think I would have said, let him. He's an adult. <laughs> let him. I didn't, I didn't yeah. let him have the drinks either. Right. Let him. Yeah. Yeah. He ran out of my car while I was saying, Hey, don't drive. Don't drive. Don't drive. Yeah. Did, what else was I supposed to do? That's so bothersome that someone would be an adult and, and those two things in play. Yeah. Hey, like give me my Liberty. I can do what I want. And yeah. also, let me make this terrible decision here well, yeah. that I've put no forethought into at mm-hmm. all. Like, you knew you were going to be an hour and a half away and you decided to have like 
six mixed drinks and thought you'd be fine to shake it off and drive home. That's maddening. 90 minute drive. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) I was sober off while I'm driving. Oh, you piece of shit. Yeah, I really can't understand why anybody drinks and drives now. Like with the invention of Uber, Mm -hmm. it really changed things for me. And even before that, I was drinking at places where I could walk home. It's because I was like, oh, this is this is so much easier. Yeah, I was over drinking because I could walk home. <laughs> like in the long in the long run, you might have said I made worse choices because I didn't drive. Mm-hmm. I, I damaged my body more with booze, right? Than I would have if I would have driven. It would have been like I'm gonna have one or two, maybe three, and then wait it out and then yeah. drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that still people, plenty of people, still doing that one. And yeah. then like, oh, you know what? I feel sober enough. I'll have one more. Oh, mm-hmm. so-and-so just showed up. I'm like, don't do it. Don't. don't you do it. Get get yourself. I haven't seen you in six years. Let's do shots. <laughs> How long have you been not drinking now? I haven't had a drink for a few years, maybe two and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very strange when you stop doing it because you forget about it. Mm-hmm. You really genuinely do. Like, I don't even recognize where there are liquor stores anymore. I'm in a bar and I forget like, or I'm in a comedy club and I forget they have a bar that serves alcohol to people. Yeah. I just forget. Yeah. Um, which kind of tells me, oh, maybe you were never like an alcoholic. Yeah. Because uh, it's it's almost like once I got it out of my life, it was truly, truly gone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have any major relapses along the way. And I did what I think a lot of people don't recognize as common, but it's exceptionally common that people get to their early to mid thirties and they go, yeah, I'm done doing this. This is, this is a lot. Well, you mentioned like being tired. Do you have more energy now? No, I'm 35. (laughs) I'm tired all the time. I have a dog that I walk four times a day and that's exhausting. And you stretch, but are you a runner or anything like that? I'm really, I, I stretch and I, I mean, I'm walking a lot. Mm -hmm. I've always walked a lot. Yeah. Um, but I was going to the gym pretty consistently for a while and kind of beefed up a little bit. And uh, yeah, the the exercise thing I should be better at. But my dad, my dad was, I think, 55 and he joined a gym and he told the gym, I've never exercised a day in my life. Let's do something. Uh And they went, okay, well, you look great for not (laughs) exercising. Yeah. Let's do some things. But he's also type 1 diabetic, and he's always been very, very focused on checking his blood yeah, multiple yeah, times a day yeah, and being should. very careful about insulin in his body. And mm-hmm. I think when you're monitoring your blood sugar that much, yeah, you're taking care of your body in a way that mm-hmm. maybe exercise would do a lot of the same things for your glycemic index. Nice. And then are you at risk for diabetes as well? No, I was part of a study that actually found that type 1 diabetes isn't necessarily genetic. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, I had to get, have a needle in my arm and give a bunch of blood, which I don't like. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why my dad signed me up for that. <laughs> I don't want to go do this, Dad. Come on. <laughs> Son, it'll be good for you. Well, I mean, we can really keep going on and on, but I, I, I ask people, well, you might have an interest in this, so first, I have a question that I typically ask that you might have an atypical answer to. This, the other thing, though, is I feel like with the physical side of it, the mental side of it, reconciling what is just, what is fair, what is in this life that's just a little speck of dust in a boiling pot of entropy, 
where within it we want, but the sun is going to stay kind of doing its thing. We're going to keep spinning. We're going to keep orbiting around it. These things are going to stay in motion in a way that is predictable and crops are going to show up, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. you can kind of set your watch to certain things where in reality, we have really no idea of volcanoes, et cetera. It could just be chaos at all times at any moment. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to do that. And that maybe is analogous to our own minds as well. Like, one day you're good, the next day you know you can make up in a wake up in a bad mood and feel x, y, or z. So physical fitness, you know, do you are you trying to like read more? what do you what are you taking into your body? And do you feel like there's an ideal way to be alive or like I feel mentally very content mm-hmm. physically? like is there an ideal way for you to like head out and be a part of the world? No <laughs> <laughs> uh. One of the reasons I stopped having booze was because at 32, 33, I kind of realized, you know what? I've never really tried having clarity as an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are a lot of adults who haven't because they're hooked on pain medications. They're doing booze. They smoke pot. They do cocaine. They do all people put stuff into their bodies. And so into that curiosity about, I wonder what clarity feels like. Mm hmm. I wonder if that would make me feel better or sharper or more clear-eyed or help me think more clearly. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you're trying to think of a word and then you just can't think of the word and it's very frustrating. I thought I had grain brain a few years ago because of that. Anyway. Oh, because of of gluten and wheat and all that other stuff? Yeah, I'm eating too much wheat and like our brains are just getting slugged down. Clody. Yeah. I don't understand. It's maddening. It is maddening. Who's this person? I know this name. I can see the face or whatever. Anything like that. Some people are very good at just letting that go. Going, no, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Whereas I get very frustrated about it. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, well, can I solve this? Yeah. Can I be more clear-brained and sharper yeah. and come up with better ideas than I'm coming up with if I eliminate booze mm-hmm. and don't do any type of drugs or even uh, I don't take medications necessarily often. Um, I Usually if I have a headache, I drink water. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that doesn't really take care of it, I might pop an aspirin. Maybe I'm, one. I do the same. I'm very, very, there are these people that are like, ah, oh, I could take six aspirin. It's fine. And you go, what are you doing? Yeah, Why fine. are you doing that to your body? Six aspirin. <laughs> For what? Um, well, the other ones don't work as well. Are you sure? <laughs> when was the last time you tried just half a baby aspirin? Just try it. <laughs> um, so as I kind of went on this search for clarity, I realized, you know what? I think my, my life got kind of, uh, negative when social media came out and then it got worse when people started putting social media in my hand yeah so do i have to give that up and should i give up the way that i consume a lot of this entertainment that's fed to me via the television or movies or you know they're trying to make things so quick so your you know your attention doesn't really focus how much silence do i have in my life yeah uh and so you start getting on this path of clarity and then you have to ask yourself well what is the balance Am I going to be a monk mm-hmm. sitting there meditating while a volcano goes off? Yeah. Eh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much of this is good and how much is bad and how much it's affecting me. It's confusion, it's chaos, and it's rough. So how am I going to feel okay? And I don't know. I just keep trying stuff. Yeah, man. I think everyone, It's especially in an entertainment career where someone, I mean, I had big agents for a period and really the only advice they gave me was like get your social media up and i hated that i thought like you guys are supposed to be this magic claw that comes in and picks things up we have a metric for popularity now so uh just just play into that 
and, and I go, thought like, yeah, it's not, I don't want to be tweeting away all day and try to become, I, I, and I do feel like if you develop that, you're like, oh, this person's really good at tweeting. They must be good at this other thing. Like, no, no, no they're just good at that. Yeah. Very few people that are like across the board great at all the things. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't, I didn't want a bunch of people who liked my tweets to be coming out to see shows more than that i just hated the idea of being someone that constantly had to be looking in their pocket at something yeah who's thinking about me who who rewarded or responded to what i'm doing enough Mm -hmm. i just know my psyche well enough to know like that's not going to be great for me yeah i was looking at someone there's a there's a i'm not going to say their name but they're a popular comedic identity Mm -hmm. they're on a sitcom and they are they don't have the typical body type Mm -hmm. and they they're a little, they're a little bigger, and they they look funny, mm-hmm. and so I was like, well, I wonder what their acting reel looks like. Mm-hmm. And you go and you look at their reel, and it starts with that song that's like, I'm sexy and I know it, and mm-hmm. then it's an entire three minutes of them like various footage of them on television where they're like twerking or dancing around like a ballerina or like skipping, and it's just all physical movement mm-hmm. cut up to this song, and I'm like. That did not display any talent at all. <laughs> it just displayed a brand, which was, look, I'm the goofy clown character. Please hire me and give me a lot of money to be that. Yeah. What's very strange is people go out to see this person do stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah. Because they're popular, because they're on television. And they have a good attitude. And you go, but you, you have no reason to believe they're good at stand-up comedy. You don't even know what good stand-up comedy means. You just go, did I like it? Yeah. And you go, well, now there's now there's too many threads of just chance and chaos going on here. Well, I mean, we could get more into it. First, let me ask you the question that I'm th- just curious to hear your thoughts on. And then potentially we can dive into that further in some bonus chatting if you're up for that. Bonus! <laughs> there's a button. This By pressing this button, you eliminate humanity from the planet everything else keeps going but humans as we know it all painlessly disappear and they go wherever they're gonna go mm-hmm. whatever the, that might be next it happens mm-hmm. would you push that button hmm hmm that's it the, the idea of it being painless is very interesting because i come from a place where life is a lot of pain Sure. For everybody. That's why people are taking painkillers yeah. when they shouldn't. Because mm-hmm. they're like, ah, this is hard. Even the even the conversation we started to have about the chaos of popularity versus why you like somebody versus why you would go see them do stand-up, even though they're not really a stand-up, they're more of a clown character that bounces painful. around being... You, you, all of those thoughts colliding, all that conflict is painful. Sure. And so considering the fact that life is pain... Um, and I could eliminate that pain for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have to. I have to go with my gut on this of saying, I'm not. I'm not the person who has the power to make that decision for everybody else. Yeah, I just don't. I don't have that kind of ego on me to be like, I'll decide for all of you. <laughs> Even though I see you in pain, even though I can eliminate your pain, it's just not my place in this universe to decide for you. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to leave the button alone on that one. Interesting. Okay. That was a very well thought out answer. Um, And it was fast too. This is what happens when you don't drink, everybody. (laughs) Very clear eyed. Razor sharp, clear eyed. How do most people answer? 
it's some version sometimes i feel like usually it's a little more quick like no no way absolutely not i wouldn't do it and but i but i think the reasoning is very similar they feel bad they feel feel, i don't want to kill people yeah i don't want to kill people where whereas i want to end their misery (laughs) i want to yeah and yet i just don't feel like i should yeah the the thing i always if, if sometimes people are on the fence I, like why, why would i even do that and then i say something to the effect of like well think about the elephants or some group that we are day in and day out it seems just, very peaceful to have no humans on this planet i feel like they would thrive very peaceful but i also believe that something else would replace us eventually and that's probably the, the, the idea behind that thought experiment is that the shoe's it, the shoe's gonna drop at some point anyway. Gonna, I'm a comic. Part. Things are gonna be bad, everybody. Just, Things are gonna be terrible. It's not suddenly gonna go to like, ah, okay, perfection. It'll still be claws going into necks, and it'll still yeah. be just heinous. You're so. gonna have a dog eat a lizard, and it's gonna be painful and awful. Yeah, yeah. It is weird how we think of that as nature, and we just go, but that's that's nature, it's right? The nature. But as soon as a human does something animalistic, you go, no, <laughs> oh, you can't do that. Oh, that cheetah can attack that hyena to get that hide, and that's fine because they're competing for resources. Yeah. But for that guy to shank that other guy for his wallet, that's that you can't do that. Well, you're getting into free will at that point. I drew this comic uh, years ago, and anyone I would show it to wouldn't really fully get it, but it's all these cattle in a cattle truck. And then they're looking out one of the little window holes and there are wolves chasing the steer. And the steer's running in a way that's just like, ah! And one of the cows says to the other one's like, we're going to the slaughterhouse, right? And the other one goes, yeah. And then the cow in the back is just like, oh, thank Christ. <laughs> just the idea of like that, that death that's just like, <laughs> just a lobotomy and a quick death. Like, oh, I do not want to be chased by wolves. This is, yeah. this is great. And I think like that, I, there's something I like about that in that it, we think it's terrible. Every thing that we do yeah. in the way, and, but largely it is. But yeah, nature's no picnic either. Yeah. Well, and that that negative attitude of uh, we're going to be chased by wolves if we don't go to the slaughterhouse. Yeah. Whereas the truth is you might not be chased by wolves. You might get to live a wolf-free life. I know. Are there deer out there that have never seen a mountain lion or a bear? And they they end up, I mean, they end up getting some bacterial infection and dying, but... yeah. uh, no, I mean, they, you can always think of a way where it turns negative, of course. I mean, you should meet my mom. She's very good at this game. She can tell you exactly why she's being screwed over by the post office and the Taliban mm-hmm. and link the two ideas and make you go, yeah, you're right. You're really getting personally screwed over by those two people. All right. But well, let's, yeah, I, I, let's, if we're going to end, let's end on that message. No, we'll go. We'll keep, go, we'll keep going it to positive. Some, some bonus stuff. Another quick exit, just like part one. Um, like I said, ryanstout.net. If you'd like to find out some tour dates, go see him live. I highly suggest it. And at Stout Ryan on Twitter. If you ever want to reach out to the guests, I know it's a bit of a collection of introverts here at the show, but I, I don't suppose it would hurt anyone's feelings if you reached out and said, hey, I enjoyed you on that show. But certainly no pressure on my end. If you want to rate the show or review it, subscribe. Any of those things, it's all helpful on iTunes. Maybe you're wary of the beast and you only stream it through the website, thespacecave.com. That's fine also. You can buy screen-printed things. You can make suggestions at uh, pings at thespacecave.com or Twitter, space underscore cave. There are a variety of ways you can either improve the show or encourage the show 
or contribute to the show. And so the Patreon includes the bonus episode with Ryan, which is almost another hour. I mean, we really talked and talked and I was thoroughly engaged the whole time. I think he's just a fascinating mind and hopefully you enjoyed that as well. So any way in which you want to be involved with the show is fine by me. And thanks again to those of you who do support the show on Patreon. I sincerely appreciate it. I heard back from someone, Jeremy, who I've mentioned uh, on the show before, didn't know if people want to hear their last names or not. So far, the results are positive and people do enjoy hearing their full name. So I hope that also applies to Valerie Suanseri. And I hope I'm saying that right. Tough last name. Um, So maybe another addendum or caveat to if you send in something with the knowledge that I'm probably going to say your name or attempt it. You can give me the pronunciation if you're worried about me butchering it, or just, as I mentioned before, say, hey, don't use my name or don't say it. So apologies, Valerie Suanseri, if I've just completely annihilated your last name. But she reached out with a couple different suggestions, one of which is music from a gentleman uh, who is, I believe, still operating out of and or originated from Fort Collins, Colorado, which is where I went to school. I lived there for four years of my life. It always has a special place in my heart. I used to shoe horses there and get to know the community. And um, I don't know. I just really like it. I was back there about a year ago, and it felt good to be back. I remember when I was leaving some of my horseshoeing clients, and I didn't have a ton of them. There's these two old guys that would, uh, they had like rivaling, they were neighbors. They would always kind of be looking over at each other from a couple acres away. What's he up to? And I would always be like, you can just go over there and talk to him. But I'd kind of be this conduit between the two of them. They're both the sweetest guys. And I remember when I was leaving, one of them said, don't leave this country, which is how people refer to like their neighborhood or their area. This is good country. And I remember feeling very like included. So anyway, Fort Collins is full of nice folks like that and aspiring artists and musicians this being one of them, he's doing that thing kind of like David William did. We played a while ago as um, also plays under the name Soul Jam and uh, a guy I I heard playing in a stairwell in Edinburgh, Scotland. It's like, that's great. Played him on the show. And in our brief inter- or email exchanges, he said, uh, yeah, don't worry about promoting it too much. I'm kind of just trying to do it the old fashioned way, traveling around the world, hopping on trains, letting the the atmosphere the feelings the emotions kind of influence you and hopefully some art pours out of it which i think is i mean who couldn't find that romantic so what a what a way to live a life this person is also doing that and i think doing very well at it you can find more music i'll put some links on twitter and the website but this comes from Bandcamp. this is teo perales i hope i'm saying that right as well the song's called faith thanks for stopping by the space cave My world falls apart The sailor stars never change As pretty as they are There's always darkness Split in between The worst days lead to the best Chance of rain.